Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the new, the first edition of 2019 of the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza. Of course, brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter, where you can go for all your Wisconsin Badgers news, notes, and analysis. And I am Jay Kokorowski. We got the Polish rifle Scott Wisniewski here. And, of course, from Bucky's Fifth Quarter, you have Owen Reese. He's joining us, too, because we got a big show coming up. We're going to hit it right off. Talking a little bit later in the show, Wisconsin Badgers wrapping up their football season. Basketball, they're number 22 in the latest AP poll after that loss at Western Kentucky, which is a rough one. Uh, but we're, we'll get into more Wisconsin Badger football talk, uh, just the end of the season, what's ahead, the new signees. We'll do that a little later. But I was going to say with uh, the Green Bay Packers, not the best way to end their 2018 season. This past Sunday, a rough one, and they fell to the Detroit Lions and uh, fall into, uh, yeah, it was not a fun, fun loss and fun, fun game to watch. I had people over, by the way, and that was not a. We we went into conversation very quickly uh, once the game got ugly. But Scotty, uh, how you doing, brother? Happy New Year! And just uh, uh, not the best way to end uh, on that note after a, a you know a comeback win against the Jets a week earlier. Uh, yeah, yeah. By the way, Happy New Year to you. I'm doing, doing about as well as I can be. Um, kind of getting through some illnesses we had running around our house. But otherwise, it was a great New Year. Not really a great end of the season, though, for the Green Bay Packers, as you mentioned. I mean, um, I, I feel like inspired or uninspired, is to use that word, would be an insult to uninspired people all over the world. because. Uh, they certainly looked unprepared and like they just didn't want to be there. And it begs the, the question then, you know, I understand that Aaron Rodgers wanted to play the last two games of the year and would have finished the game against Detroit had he not suffered a concussion. But it really, if you were going to come out that unwilling to want to play, then why did you even bother to, to, to play everybody against the Jets? Because they could have, instead of having a 12 pick, had they lost the Jets, and I'm not advocating professional athletes would never try to lose a game. They shouldn't, right? But if they would have lost right. that game, you're looking at possibly a number seven pick in the draft, right? Maybe an eight. Um, that being said, yeah, it was just really, uh, you know, people do have made some hyperbolic statements. It's like, well, this reminds me of the 80s and 70s all over again. Man, not really. They're not that bad. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of pieces on this team that I still think you can build around with good Smart free agent picks and, and and some some health would be nice, but but that game in a in a in a microcosm really did remind me of some of the worst Packer football I've ever seen. 
Owen, what are, you, what are your thoughts about that game before we go on to kind of a more broader topic about what's ahead with coaching searches and who to pick with that number 12 pick overall? Or, you know, I know depending on what the Saints do in the playoffs, you know, if they could even ship that pick plus that other first round pick for something higher. We'll get into that a little bit later. But just what did you I mean? You're a former f- f- football player. What, what did you see in that game? If you had a chance to watch it, just what stood out to you? Um, I don't know, man. I, I don't know if unprepared would really be the way. Uh, it really looked like a team that was really beat up and was really on its last legs to begin with that really had nothing to play for. Um, was kind of how it looked to me. I don't know if um, – I, 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 yeah, I, I don't know if uninspired or unprepared was really the way to do it. But definitely, like I said, a team that um, I think they started like three of their original opening day starters on defense. and. Um, Aaron Rodgers, outside of the Jets game, really hasn't been that um, demonstrative, uh, fiery type of guy that that the fans seem to want him to be. Um, And I think that was one of those things where I think he had fully intended on playing, um, but obviously the second that there was any hint of any type of injury, um, there's no no incentive to having him play. So um, I I don't think that – I – appreciate that Aaron Rodgers felt the need to like want to play and be the leader and whatever there was, I don't know. There was really no reason for him to be playing. Um, but I don't know. That's obviously their decision and they can, they can do what they want. But, um, so yeah, I guess that was my general impression was, I don't think it was like, I don't think the team didn't care. I don't think the team was unprepared or, or whatever. Um, but yeah, simply a team that was really, um, depleted, I guess, and, and really didn't have much to play for. Um, while Detroit, I guess, I, I guess arguably probably was in the same boat. Um, but yeah, definitely Detroit definitely came out, um, more motivated, I guess. And, and, uh, yeah, the game wasn't very competitive. I, yeah, I, I clearly like, obviously it's a tough line between like advocating for professional athletes to lose. Um, but objectively seeing that the future is better, um, with the result of a loss is always one of those things. I, uh, I was, I was kind of pleasantly surprised. I thought for a second that they were going to beat the bears, but then kind of realized too, like, Oh, a miraculous comeback that falls just short is just about perfect for, um, for where they're looking to go or where what's best for them to do. So, um, at that point the season was already over. So, um, looking forward to draft season. Yeah, yeah, I know. I was gonna say you're good. You're good at it too, Owen. Oh, yeah, obviously you're NFL draft scouts. Uh, you know, like a draft scout. You're going down to the Senior Bowl coming up in was it a uh, couple weeks, right? Uh, for that matter. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say, uh, Scotty, what? Uh, go ahead, uh, go ahead, no, brother. I was, just, I was gonna, <laughs> you know, kind of echo some of those sentiments. I mean, looking forward to this off season because it's gonna be. In some ways, you know, one of the the more important off seasons, probably in the last two decades, and and uh, you talk about players who probably won't be here, which will free up some money to do some things in free agency. They can't go crazy, but I think they can be smart and find some value uh, players that are going to add to some of the depth. And they've got some draft picks to work with, and and they really got to kind of hit on this draft. I mean, you know, plus again the injuries, which seem to always. I feel like we talk about injuries you know, just about every year about with the Packers. But if they can get uh, – stay a little healthier I key positions next year with a new draft class, with some of the, the good young players 
taking that next step up, like Alexander going into his second year and some of the other players on there. I still think this team could be a playoff team. Now, do I think they can win the division? It's too early to tell. The Bears look like they're going to sit up at the top of the roost for at least a couple of years. They've got a good young defense, and, and they've got Mack locked up for a few years. But the Packers could be a playoff team um, just as quickly as this season went south. They could come back and be 10-6 and six next year, 11-5. and five. But, again, I think it's important. And I think to overshadowing all of that, we talked about the draft, talked about free agency, they've got to find a coach. They've got to place a head coach. They've got to find somebody to lead the charges as we move into 2019. So I think there's so many moving parts that we haven't seen an offseason like this in quite some time. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I guess, you know, when looking at those pieces, let's start with head, with head coaching. Let's talk with – um, you, you're seeing the reports, um, you know, Owen, uh, we'll ask you first, you know, and Scotty, after Owen chimes in, feel free to give your thoughts, but who from the list of candidates that are slated to interview or have interviewed or will be interviewed, who, which one stands out to you and which one do you think is the best fit for green Bay right now? I think two or <clears throat> two of them in particular really stick out one. Um, I'll go with the, maybe the lesser thought of one first, um, <clears throat> Matt LaFleur. He's the offensive coordinator of the Tennessee Titans um, and is, I guess, for lack of a better term, kind of like the men, or the student under the mentor that would be either Sean McVay or, or Kyle Shanahan. He was the offensive coordinator in Saint, uh, excuse me, the Los Angeles Rams last year, but he did not call plays. Um, but he's been – he was Matt Ryan's quarterback's coach when he won the MVP in 2016 um, and, and, and really employs a very similar system. Um, to McVeigh and, and Shanahan, really kind of a West Coast um, stretch zone type scheme, um, which I think is a, both a good fit for what the Packers have right now, as well as uh, really just it's the Packers a lot of time, or I guess over the last few seasons, they haven't really had an identity to me. Their identity has been we have Aaron Rodgers. Um and while that's cool, uh, I'm a firm believer in that your offensive philosophy needs to be an identity, and, and I really don't know if I could tangibly tell you what the Packers has over the past few years. Um, so, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Lafleur is one that is kind of – he's not an, uh, not under the radar, but he's definitely not one of the headline guys. Um, but I think the biggest one for me, and, and I don't have a super strong opinion on this or super well-developed, well-researched – uh, take on this but Josh McDaniels would be my uh, my my pick um and that may seem obvious but there's a couple things for me that really strike a chord one um in my experience coaches that have gone somewhere early and screwed up um typically don't make the same mistakes again I'm not saying he'll be a great head coach but I'm saying that I doubt that he'll make the same mistakes that he made in Denver he was like 32 years old and was extremely um maybe brazen for lack of a better term but um that and then I think he's got one trump card I think that he's got that um few other potential coaches in this uh available this offseason that can really trump it I think is um I think for as as much good as he does I think it's a fairly fair statement that Aaron Rodgers isn't a typical quarterback to coach or to uh to t- attempt to manage uh, and I think that McDaniel's as he's closely as he's worked with Brady over the past I don't know, ten years or so, however much it's been, 
while it's not an apples to apples comparison, I think that's an extremely important dynamic. Um, I know typically, I know Eric Stoner always used to say that your your team takes on the personality of either its head coach or its quarterback. Um, and while I don't know if taking on the personality of Aaron Rodgers would be the worst thing, I think someone that can either maybe not corral or contain, but at least has some experience with um, a, a, an alpha personality like that, a very strong, um, very highly intelligent player that uh, I guess for better or worse was was known for kind of challenging or, or questioning Mike McCarthy's uh, play calling and offensive philosophy and stuff. I think it doesn't need to be someone that needs to come in and, and put his foot down and say, no, Aaron, you're going to listen to me. And it doesn't need to be somebody that needs to be completely submissive at the same time and say, no, Aaron, like I'm just here and we're going to run the scheme, but you know, it's all up to you, but there needs to be a middle ground there. Um, and I think that that's something that um, McDaniels at the very least has a good amount of experience with dealing with a quarterback in Tom Brady. That's, um, both been outspoken at times as well as um, just simply the the ego or the reputation um, with intentional or not uh, is there and I think that's um, a quality that McDaniels has that that not many other guys um, in this this potential coaching search have so I think that's something whether I'm right or wrong I think that's an intangible that I would be looking for um, and that's kind of what attracts me to Josh McDaniels. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. So I, I think McDaniels is the favorite, so I'm not going to go too far down that road. I also know, I think that he's learned from, you know, much like Pete Carroll is first time around, a lot of coaches have learned from some of their mistakes. The other thing that's interesting is like, people talk about what happened last year in Indianapolis, and I really believe there's a lot more to the story than, than we're hearing. And I think that in some some cases – uh, McDaniels took the high road and didn't want to, you know, discuss how weird the Ursay family can be. Um, so, I, you know, I think that the other guys I like that I think are intriguing, staying with the same team. If you're thinking defense, maybe Flores is the guy. Uh, you know, I, I also am interested to see how Carmichael, the offensive coordinator with the Saints interviews, because, again, he's he's a quiet guy. I mean, there's people I know who cover that team that say that, you know, they've come, they've been on the beat for three years sometimes, and they've never heard him say more than 10 words. But yet he's an interesting candidate. But I still think if, if I had to put chips down in Vegas, I, I think that it would be Josh McDaniel who's going to be the guy who gets the job. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, looking – and, Scotty, we'll go with you too on this. Uh, you know, leading off with it, you know, we talk about the um, – head coach and how that shapes the the organization or obviously the the culture of the program too but you know looking at the players and, and the roster and obviously there needs to be some influx of talent you know where where do, where does it start in your opinion where where does it start uh does it start an outside linebacker with the draft uh are there na- what are the names that you would want to see you know, I know it's way too early right now. We're still, you're not even through the first week of the NFL playoffs, but like, what, what stands out to you about positions in need or any particular players that you think could help this squad? Well, I mean, I, as far as it, you know, I, I don't have a specific right now because I haven't started breaking down, you know, where that mock draft looks, but they need a pass rusher first. I mean, whether it's an outside linebacker or whether it's a defensive end, they need a disruptive force. They need somebody who's going to, because again, you talk about the secondary and I think they've got some good young pieces in the secondary, but man, a good pass rush, a lot of holes you have in your secondary and they don't have that right now. And they haven't had that for the last couple of years. Clay Matthews certainly wasn't the force the last few years that he was early in his career. 
and some other guys that they had hoped would be that just haven't panned out. So by hook or by crook, and even though I sat here and defended the, 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 the drafting of King and passing on T.J. Watt just because I understood the hole they had in that secondary, man, oh, man, does that look like the wrong choice as you get as you continue to get further and further away and you look at the force that that, that kid's been in, in two years with the Steelers. So whatever it is, I mean, you can't go back in time. There's no time machine. You can't get in a DeLorean and go fix it. But what you got to do is address it. And you need to get some get some guys that are going to get after quarterbacks, make quarterbacks have to you know make decisions that they regret later on, and, and that's going to help everything. It's going to help your secondary. It's going to help any holes you think you have, and it's just going to make this defense better and get them off the field. So that's the number one thing. The number two need is they need some depth and and and, and maybe some some upgrades on the offensive line. Bakhtiari is amazing, and I still think he's a Pro Bowl caliber guy. I think Lindsay's a good center. I think Bulaga and the injuries have kind of worn him down, and they just need better play at the guard position. And they need some depth. They need to be able to plug guys in that are going to keep Aaron Rodgers upright and keep him from getting hit and keep him from getting hurt. So I think those are your two needs. And whether you address those in the draft, you address those in free agency, those are the two things this team's going to need. And if they get those things, I think with their young receiving core that's going to only get better, with you know their young cornerbacks that when they're healthy look like they could be dynamic, with some young running backs that look like they can be game changers, they've got some pieces. I think the last piece, the third piece, is you know some depth at the tight end position, some guys that could be playmakers. But you know those are I think coming into it, and then you know at other positions, you know on the D line and inside linebacker depth is always a key at those spots. You can never have enough defensive linemen as far as I'm concerned. So. You know, it's certainly a, a large enough shopping list uh, for them to, to go try to take care of some of the needs they have. Uh, I mean, I was going to say, Owen, oh, man, you're the, you're the draft expert for us. You're going to be working out with Cheesehead TV on a, uh, you know, for their annual draft guide. You'll be working with the interior lineman you told me, which is going to be great and right up your alley that for that matter. But what do you think, where do you think Wisconsin go, or not Wisconsin? Green Bay goes uh, with with that pick. Uh, do they do you feel they even have a chance to to move up? And I mean, who should they target in that draft from from those who have declared already? Um, well, there's I think there's a couple of things, different ways they can go here. Um, I'm not a huge fan of um, trading up because simply I don't think they're going to get. So to me, right now, um, with the way this class is starting to kind of get put together there's not the huge amount of quarterbacks that teams in that 12 range where the Packers are would traditionally love like if if the Packers had picked 12th last year right um which obviously they were 14th and traded back and then traded back up but so if you were last year you're looking and you said okay Darnold's gonna go Rosen's gonna go um and uh Baker Mayfield's gonna go at least right so that's three guys so Potentially, you should get a top nine position player at 12, right? Um, there are very few quarterbacks um, still that if either Justin Herbert said he's come back to Oregon, um, I would presume that Dwayne Haskins will declare. Um, kind of, He hasn't made a formal announcement yet, so we'll kind of see how that goes. But um, unless <clears throat> these NFL teams really uh, talk, each, talk themselves into like a Drew Locke from Missouri or Daniel Jones from Duke, who and I guess to my liking – are probably in that twenty to thirty-two range uh, of a of a prospect, or where they would be worth taking a look preliminarily. 
they're not um the Packers aren't going to be able to get high enough to get to a guy that would be worth going up to get, if that makes sense. I think to me, there's only a couple guys in this class that are really worth would be worth doing that. Nick Bosa being one of them. Um the the rusher from Ohio State, the younger brother of Joey, um, who's a stud with the Chargers. And then Quinn and Williams, the defensive tackle from Alabama, is an absolute monster, um, and he's only going to continue to get better. It absolutely floored me. Um, I didn't know, but when um, they had the video of him talking and he like caught himself before he said anything about Kyler Murray, the kid has braces, man. He's like 20 years old. Um, he's only going, only going to continue to get better, easy for me to say. Um so I don't think they're going to be able to get high enough to go to get those guys. So I'm not a fan in this scenario of them of pairing picks together. I think the the, the team that kind of um, they remind me of right now are the New Orleans Saints of two years ago. So the Saints had, uh, I believe it was the 11th pick where they took Marshawn Lattimore. They had the last pick in the first round where they took Ryan Ramchek, um, and then a couple other picks um on day two later in day two and that's kind of where the Packers are at right now and they're in that position where they can take a stud up top they can take a really safe quote-unquote luxury pick like Ryan Ramchek was to the Saints a guy they didn't really need but ended up um needing once their starting right tackle got hurt immediately it was a good thing that they had taken him um so I think the first place I would go is is with that top pick I think you're in the um excuse me second tier edge rusher Territory. I think for um, Jakai Polite, uh, who's like 6'3", 250, 245 from, from Florida. Um, he had a big strip sack in their bowl game against Michigan. Um, Jakai Polite should be there. Um, Josh Allen from Kentucky, I think, is going to blow up this process a bit, but he could be in that area. Um, them or, or a, a Clellan, uh, Clellan Furl from Clemson. Um, kind of one of those things where you've got three or four edge rushers in that top pick and it's going to be uh the the time of the year on twitter where um there's gonna be about 35 guys that there's no way they're gonna get to 20 so um someone will fall Uh, i think edge rusher is probably the way to go there um the only way i would really advocate it for for trading up is say they're at they're at 12 and say uh furl and allen and bosa are all gone before eight or nine and they're really afraid that jakai polite isn't going to be there or that one of the other pass rushers they really want um, is there. I, I, trading up to nine or, or eight would would maybe make sense, but um, even still, I'm, I'm really not a fan with where this roster is at right now. Giving up day two picks or future picks even um, to do that. I think the second round, or the, excuse me, the second first round pick is an excellent territory again for the best offensive lineman available and. It's still to be seen uh, with Brian Gutekunst how this will work. They only took one lineman last year. He was a former college tackle, which is kind of the Packers' MO. Um, for those unfamiliar, they've taken two non-collegiate tackles since Ted Thompson took over in 2004, one of them being Corey Lindsley. So the Packers do not draft non-tackles. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see how that goes. Uh, Chris, R- Chris Lindstrom excuse me, from Boston College could be a guy that's in that area late first round. A Dalton Reisner from Kansas State, um, or a name that that um, Badger fans are, are aware of, uh, depending on how he tests. A Michael Dieter or David Edwards could both be around in that thirty to thirty-five range. Um, both would be advantageous. Again, in the case of Dieter, he's a guard, which I agree with um, with Scotty that the guard is a huge issue for the Packers. It doesn't get brought up a ton, but um, 
they could really use some improvements inside. And then someone like David Edwards, who's a tackle, um, who could eventually take over for um, for Brian Balaga, perhaps, and, and be what um, be what they hoped Jason Spriggs would be. So I think that's that's kind of where you go there. Um, I know we talked about free agency just very briefly, and I'll, I'll cut it off here in a second. Two edge guys I would very much consider. I don't know if the Packers will, but I would very much consider going after in free agency that shouldn't be super expensive. Um, but would be worth kicking the tires on for sure. Um, Preston Smith from the Redskins will be a free agent this year. He's very similar to Nick Perry, um, just a big power rusher. Smith is about 6'3", 265 or so. Um, and then the other guy that I think will be cheaper and um, could end up being a bit of a steal in this class if you can get him in the right spot would be Shane Ray, the former pass rusher or top 10 Formerly mocked in the top 10. I think he went in the 20s to the Broncos. Um, he's a guy that's kind of fizzled in Denver and is the odd man out with Von Miller and Shaq Barrett and uh, the first rounder from last year, Bradley Chubb in Denver. Um, Shane Ray's a guy I think that you could probably get um, uh, fairly cheap um, and could be a guy that could really come in and, for the Packers, be a huge boost to that pass rush unit. Um I don't think I'm not going to come out and say he'd be a 10 sack addition or something, but if Shane Ray was your third rusher um, rather than um, Reggie Gilbert, uh, I would say the position um, was pretty massively upgraded um, for a, without giving up the farm to go get it. I'll say, Scott, anything else before the Packers, before we uh, head over to some Badger talk? <clears throat> no, no. I mean, that, I mean, we, we've got quite a lot of time in the off season as we get closer to the draft. We'll talk more about that. I mean, the only other piece of it was they were talking today about, you know, trying to retain some of the coaches that are currently on the team. And my opinion on it, and again, it might not be the popular opinion, is I think the new head coach should be the one who decides some of that stuff. I never like when coaches get kind of saddled with coaches that they may not trust or may not want to use. And I think guys like Petten done a, done a good job with what he with the hand he was dealt, and I wouldn't mind seeing him stay, but I think that decision needs to be you know, uh, agreed upon by the, whoever the new head coach is. I think that's my take. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, we'll see how it all plays out coming up. And of course, playoffs start this, this weekend uh, leading up to the Super Bowl just a few weeks from now, but on the opposite side, uh, Wisconsin uh, finishes up its year, 2018 pinstripe bowl last week with a win over Miami and a dominant win. One that I did not see coming in the 35, three victory, uh, against uh, and obviously, I know some Badger fans are joking about it, but gee, you know, talking about Mark Rick retiring uh, after being beat by the Badgers for the second consecutive uh, time in a postseason game. But it is a you know, obviously, leaving you know, ending the year at eight and five, not where Wisconsin wanted to be after all the preseason hype, college football playoff talk. Talking just, you know, obviously there's a lot of discussion about national championship, you know, discussions, uh, whatnot that did not come to pass with a young defense and offense that did not live up to expectations. I would say in the passing the game uh, for the rushing attack, I think it more than anything lived up to its potential, uh, especially with a running back that I think got gypped by going not going to New York. But uh, then again, there are three other really good t- candidates as well. but. I mean, starting with you, Owen, on this, it's uh, what did you make about the game overall uh, with that pinstripe bowl? What stood out in in just it was it, it to me? It just I mean, it was a complete effort on both on two of the three sides of the ball uh, phases of the game. 
I would say special teams wasn't necessarily there. Um, and I know the offense left a few things out in there in the first half, but I thought it was the most complete effort by the team this year against a, you know, a, a good opponent like Miami. But what were your thoughts uh, watching that game? Man, uh, the, the first thing I thought was Miami don't want none. Um, they're a team that, and I tired talking to a buddy and I was like, yeah, that got out of hand way quicker. And I thought, and he, I thought he summed it up pretty well. Because he's like, it was cold, Miami's soft, whiskey ain't, easy money. And that was kind of the way that that I, I kind of, looking back on the game, um, Wisconsin jumped on Miami, which I think a lot of people thought Wisconsin would do to a lot of teams this year um, with the offensive talent that they theoretically should be able to have at their disposal um, with Taylor and um, and the receivers. And as you saw, Jack Cohn hit Kendrick Pryor on a big play early. Um, which I think was a bit of a broken play, but that's neither here nor there. Um, they got a big play in the passing game early um, and kind of jumped on them, and then they got the turnover quick and scored again, and all of a sudden, boom, 14-0. Miami's um, up in New York. It's 35 degrees. They're down two touchdowns. Um, you know, their their quarterback play is, man, I'd like to see some Badger fans complain about Alex Hornerbrook after watching Malik Rozier and, um, and Cozy Perry play. Um, really kind of stymied um, themselves or Miami really um, wasn't able to get anything going offensively. And I think that was a lot in part due to the quarterback play. Um, and then defensively too, it just with the amount of <laughs> NFL guys talent that Miami has on their defense. And you look, Joe Jackson will be a pick. Michael Jackson will be a pick. Jaquan Johnson will be a draft pick. Michael Pinkney, Shaq Quarterman, um, Gerald Willis didn't play. Sheldrick Redwine will be a, a draft pick. They had a, a lot of talent on that defensive side of the football, and for them to not, they did. I don't know. I don't like I said. I don't want to accuse any football team of not showing up or not being motivated or prepared. But that's that was a game where, holy cow, Miami just didn't have any juice outside of seemingly what was a few tackles for loss, which I know was a big um, emphasis in the during the game that Miami is one of the best tackle for loss defenses in the, in the country. And, um, Odenny Bow, their D, D tackle had two or three tackles for loss. But if you look at the, 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 the amount of talent and NFL potential and star power that Miami has on that defense, even without their all American defensive tackle and Gerald Willis, that Wisconsin did not face nearly as much resistance as I had anticipated. Um, and really for, Outside of those last, um, I know Wisconsin got the touchdown to Ben Shaw taken away and stuff with the holding penalty or the the um, chop the chop block. Yeah, chop block and but yeah, and, and Taylor. Yeah. I, it, man, it was the second year in a row, really, where I got a. And I, I think it's one of those things where I don't think many people saw Mark Richt retiring that quickly. But like looking back at it, man, I don't know if that was a suspicion within the program or what the deal was, because it was the second year in a row. Miami came out and laid an egg um, in a bowl game against Wisconsin. Obviously last year's was more competitive, but it was one of those things where for a team with that much talent um, and, and an experienced coach, nonetheless, I mean, Rick hasn't won a national championship or anything, but he he's a very good recruiter and he's been around and for a team to just really not show up like that at all was, I think a bit odd to me and, Obviously, as you see, now he, he retired and Manny Diaz was able to uh, Josh McDaniels his way back to Miami. And um, I don't know. It was uh, 
a bit dumbfounding, to be honest with you. I, I fully anticipated that being a knockdown drag out 14 to seven game. Um, so when Wisconsin really jumped on them and Miami's quarterback play really inhibited any any chance or ability they really had to to punch back, I, it was a bit surprising to me, I guess. Yeah, I, I think what stood out to me was um, what an underrated coach, again, Paul Christ is nationally. I mean, we know that he gets his teams prepared. But after the type of season that Badgers had, let's face it, a disappointment considering how lofty their sights were and where they were ranked in preseason and they had their struggles and yet they came prepared for this game. And, and it, it's like, again, I don't want to say, you know, that the, 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 the hurricanes weren't that they quit, but they certainly didn't seem as, as inspired to, to go out there and, and, you know, make something of the season. yet. I mean, and, and those kids went out there and they played their hearts out and that was great. Um, it doesn't change the fact that, you know, they, they struggled at back position this year and, and I read your story, Jake, and hopefully uh, brighter brighter horizons are coming for the quarterback position at Wisconsin. But they 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 played the hand they were dealt, and they were still able to go out there and and take it to a Miami team, and uh, that again they had a vaunted defense. It, it, and kudos to the Badgers for ending their season on a high note and keeping uh, you know fans and alumni uh, excited about what's coming next year. So. Um, I was I was surprised. I thought if they were going to win the game, you know, much like you mentioned, I thought it was going to be close. It was going to be ugly. It turned out to be ugly, but but very lopsided in, in favor of the bad. Uh, if I can, just one thing before um, before Jake finishes out here. The one thing that really kind of struck a chord to me, and I think what what it kind of looked like, um, and I, Jake and I walked back up to the press box together after the Minnesota yep. game, um, and we had a bit of a discussion. Um, regarding some of the questions and how they were worded and how they were presented to the Badger seniors, which obviously um, not a great time for them, just lost to their rival for the first time in God knows how long, and a disappointing year, a disappointing end to a disappointing year. Um, Kind of the vibe that I got from watching that football game was that Miami was ready for the year to be done. They didn't have a great year, um, but but they they were ready. You know, they were were in a bowl game they didn't want to be at, and they were – they're ready to start next year. And I was, as a coach, it's one of those things, um, especially in high school, even in high school um, where I kind of help out at it's, you can't get to fixing anything until the season's done. You can't fix anything in week 12. You got to wait till the off season to get some stuff. So that's kind of the way it it appeared to me um, that Miami was. I think Jake will probably agree here. Michael Dieter and Bo Benshaw and some of those seniors, they weren't ready for their careers to be done yet. So I think that was their opportunity. Um, they could come out and they could make a statement. And Paul Christ, obviously, like we talked about here, good at getting his team ready to go. But I think that was kind of, um, to me, this was a chance at some retribution um, for TJ Edwards and Michael Dieter and Bo Benshaw and some of the seniors that that spoke after that Minnesota game. And, and that was kind of just something I wanted to add quickly was that that I really got that impression that those guys – wanted to be in New York and wanted to get, finish their careers with a win, not with a loss to Minnesota. And it just kind of looked like to me, like Miami was ready to get the year done with so they could start for the next year. Yeah. I, I'll agree with that where I, I think that sour taste in their mouth with losing that ax. for the first time in 14 years was really, I mean, I mean, you and I were both there and we were just, I think dumbfounded by the, just the, the play where Minnesota just was beat them in every phase of the game. And that was that was not supposed to happen. Uh, what most of us thought and and whatnot. So um, it it they turned into 
you know, that they, they had a dominant win in, in, to end the year on a, on a brighter note than what the rest of the season was. But I mean, you've already started to put together your projected depth, tra- depth charts at, you know, on Bucky's fifth quarter, Owen, uh, you, you know, we have the offensive one up, we'll get the defensive one up uh, in a day or two. And, you know, and we'll, it's, it's really this, this year, it's going to be interesting to see where this team goes, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, you lose, you know, David Edwards already declared, as we mentioned earlier for the NFL draft foregoing his redshirt senior year. We'll see what that left shoulder that reported left shoulder injury with the, uh, I think Jeff Petrikas mentioned it was like a nerve in there, uh, injury, like how that affects his draft stock. Uh, but, you know, there's there's depth at the offensive line that could be seen. Caden Lyles is coming back over from playing defensive tackle, and then it really is going to be honestly uh, the biggest position is you know Scotty kind of um, you know mentioned it earlier, just Graham Mertz and and how does he fit in? Uh, he's enrolling early. From what I'm hearing, there are four early enrollees with this class, and that is Graham Mertz. And that's what, and then Leo Chanel. Spencer Lytle, all three confirmed with me. And then I heard that Cam Phillips from a couple of the players uh, is enrolling early too, who's a walk on, who's a kind of a steal with that class of 2019. Uh, we'll see what Graham Mertz can do. I'm interested in seeing how Spencer Lytle could add some weight and see how he could project out uh, in terms of his play, possibly to help out the outside linebackers that I'm after Andrew Van Ginkle's, you know, going, I'm, I'm wondering how much he'll, Actually, you know, like how much Zach Bond will take the next leap, but who goes up behind him? Is it Tyler Johnson stepping up where I thought he maybe regressed a little bit? Um, you know, it's, is it, I was wondering uh, who else, uh, you know, like uh, could, uh, I guess, you know, that position really step up. Um, but, you know, Mertz is the big name at, at quarterback where we're still uncertain about the health of Alex Hornibrook, where, you know, in terms of, you know, he was out for the pinstripe bowl with those recurring symptoms from the concussion, we're wondering about, you know, Jack Cohn, can you take another step forward and, and get more yards per completion or more yards per attempt out of his throws? Does Danny Vandenboom or Chase Wolf have a say in this? And Chase Wolf was, you know, at the end, you know, Jesse Temple talked about uh, Urban Meyer trying to, uh, you know, flip him to Ohio state. So we'll see. Um, you know, I'm, I'm still very much, you know, wondering, you know, I'm wondering about it where, you know, like this team, there's a lot of questions and we'll see what goes forward. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know where, you know, it's this point of year and with, they have Michigan, Michigan state and Ohio state next year as crossover games. So it's not going to be an easy schedule. Two of the three are at home. Unlike this year where you had Penn state and Michigan on the road. So, you know, I guess um, I, I will end it on this, this one question. Scott, we'll start with you. Cause I know you got a jet. And then Owen will end it with, yeah, well, you can slide in after this, but I mean, what's the biggest, you know, improvement that you want to see out of this team in, in 2019? Well, quarterback play. I mean, you know, th- this offensive line is built to continue to be able to dominate the line of scrimmage. Uh, they've always been able to run the ball well. Their defense has a great scheme and they're coached really well. And they're going to have a lot of players who, who are going to have some experience in the system, but it's been quarterback play. And even when they've had great seasons, I always feel like the quarterback play is always a variation between mediocre and decent, with the exception of Russell Wilson in the one year we had him, right? So I think it always seems to fall back on that. I mean, and, you know, in fairness, again, we, we, we mentioned it, and we don't want to make excuses. The Badgers did lose their best receiving weapon because of 
of off the field incidents. And that certainly doesn't help a quarterback, but I, I just feel like Hornibrook regressed because I felt like I was the guy defending him more than I probably should have last year when, when people were coming at him when they wanted to blame everything, which wasn't the, the, the truth, obviously, right? I mean, it's never just all on one guy. But I feel like his decision-making um, took a step back. And, and uh, you know, bad throws and bad, bad you know, mistimed uh, passes and just, like, overall bad decisions, right? So I think it, it comes down to me, and I hate to be overly simplistic, better quarterback play. You get that, and this team is right back, you know, competing for the Big Ten title uh, because I think they have the other pieces to do that, and they've certainly coached well enough to do that each and every year. So I think it's just, again, at the risk of sounding, you know, overly simplistic about it, they've just got to be better at quarterback. Yeah, I was going to say, quarterbacks, I think, 1B for me. Uh, and, Scotty, do you need to sign off now, by the way? Um, yeah, I probably have. So I, I think I'll end it on that. All right. That's good talking to you, brother. We'll do another show coming up uh, next week for sure. Uh, and in uh yeah, safe travels, brother in the snow and the weather there in Milwaukee, but Owen, you know, uh, he mentioned quarterback. I think it's one B to me, it's defensive line just with the way that they, I mean, I think you saw, and I've, I've kind of, I think I've beat a dead horse about it the, the entire year talking about how much of a loss, those three senior defensive ends meant to this team. And then with Olivier Sangapolu's injury, it was just, it was, I mean, it was tough sledding for that group, but who, what's the position, you know, what's the one thing that you want to see out of the, you know, Wisconsin to improve upon heading into 2019? Yeah. I was going to say the, the defensive line or the pass rush to me, I think that's a huge thing. That's something that Badger fans have probably taken for granted since they made that switch to the three, four, They've had Joe Schobert and Vince Beagle and TJ Watt and Garrett Dooley and Leon Jacobs and now Andrew Van Ginkle at six NFL-level defenders. And obviously I, I would probably venture to say that Van Ginkle and, and Dooley and, and Jacobs are probably lower, um, at least in the college football um, spectrum and probably NFL potential as well as we've seen with, with Schobert and, and TJ Watt obviously doing well in Pittsburgh. But I, I think that's the biggest thing is when – the Badgers, the way their scheme is set up, their defensive line is never going to be the caveat in pass rush, right? So they're they're more so meant there um, to to occupy blockers, and they can. Alec James had five sacks, and they can do. Um, I think you actually had more than that, but they're, they're, they can they can get the occasional pressure. But the way the defense is schemed is that the weak side rusher and the other outside linebacker are the primary pass rushers, the primary blitzers um and this year as you saw it just wasn't there van ginkle being hurt half the year didn't help um zach bond really coming off of, of a season ender the year before as well um so he was kind of uh, knocking the rust off there and then obviously we talked with tyler johnson he's a fine player former walk-on and, and high school quarterback there's just not a lot of juice there as a pass rusher um christian bell uh, we haven't seen a ton of him, but I think that's the thing that really needs to improve. If you really want to run this 3-4 defense, you really want to run this scheme. Um, and with a secondary that's extremely talented, but for the second year in a row next year will not lose one corner due to graduation, they're, you need to help them out as much as you can. Fayon Hicks, Rashad Wild Goose both got hit throughout the year. Um, 
being a little grabby, uh, playing a bit like Nick Nelson was able to do. Um, however, when when the ball is being forced to come out quicker and you're getting that pass rush, it obviously helps them a good bit. So um, pass rush and then obviously, yeah, quarterback is, goes without saying at this point. And, and I agree with you. The defensive line is, is huge. Um, they're playing with a walk-on and an offensive lineman um, for most of the season in the starting lineup, which is incredible to me really um that you're able to win eight games that way but um nonetheless they'll be getting their two starters back this year and and really then you'll be able to um see guys like matt henningson come off the bench and be a sub package run guy or however you want to do that a much more advantageous position for him um let louder milk and rand take uh take the reins there and um i think you'll see them along with the the additions along the defensive line um especially Keanu Benton and uh, and and Gio Piaz, um getting looks inside with Bryson Williams. I think you'll see uh, some more juice along that defensive line and, and definitely um, more depth, which is something that Wisconsin was at a desperation level of um, throughout most of the year. So, um, yeah, I think that's probably it. Yeah, pass rush, quarterback, and then defensive line. And I think if you handle that um, – Wisconsin's really back in the, the catbird yeah. seat pretty yeah. quick. No, it'll be, again, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Tyler Biotish if he comes back. Uh, he is still, as he told reporters after the game, after the pinstripe bowl, that he's undecided. We'll see what happens with Wisconsin. You know, I mean, overall, just uh, I think there's depth at the O-line. Um, running back's fine. Wide receiver, I think, will be okay, too, and tight end. I mean, there's still, I think it's still more pieces on defense. I just want to see that maturity. And also seeing Garrett Rand, I think, come back will be, Huge, and if him and Loudermill can stay healthy, I think that that line next year could be pretty good. Outside of finding them a reserve defensive, you know, just this reserve nose tackle uh, to back up Bryson Williams too. So, um, on that note, you know, we've run a little long uh, for Bucky's fifth podcast. You and I will probably, you know, if you're around sometime in the next week or so, you and I will do a recap of the season if you'd like, brother. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we'll wrap it up from here. Appreciate you coming on the show, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. It's a good time as always. Um, an exciting time, like I said, I mentioned in that that depth chart piece with the um, signing day and and the bowl game being successful. It definitely leaves that good taste in your mouth heading into the off season and um, makes the next eight months hopefully go by a, a little quicker than than it would have with a um, a bludgeoning like Miami took. So it's kind of one of those things where um, heading into the you're excited to see the uh, the draft prospects from Wisconsin go do their thing. Uh, it sucks to see them go, um, as you and I have both experienced a lot of good kids. Uh, a lot of fun interviews out of that group, but um, the bright futures ahead for them and um, start to get a paint the picture and get a, a little better look at what next year's Badger teams. Yeah, look absolutely. Like. And that, yeah. And uh, we'll see what that, the future looks like too. Cause you have coming up Graham Mertz and Logan Brown in the 2019 all American bowl. And that's on Saturday at noon. Is it noon or 11? It's uh sometimes. So yeah, it's, it's on uh, Saturday and that'll be on NBC. So I'll be watching that. And then also Blake Wilcox, the walk-on kicker. We just had an article published this afternoon on Bucky's fifth quarter. The lone member of Wisconsin's uh, class that's participating in the Under Armour All-American game, which is tomorrow, 5 p.m. on ESPN2. Make sure you guys check that out. So, uh, but yeah, uh, check out some of the future there. And we'll, you know, we'll talk more coming up uh, on both Bucky's fifth, fifth quarter and the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza as we continue to move along now to draft season. And, and uh, obviously, you and I will probably both be there for Pro Day coming up uh, in March, which is already just a couple months away. So, uh, And you'll be down there in Mobile uh, for the Senior Bowl. And obviously, there'll be a lot of badges to talk to as well. Yep. Uh, at least three of them. And, and um, 
I'm still surprised that TJ Edwards didn't get uh, an invite. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him be a uh, an injury alternate or something along those lines. But yep, for sure, definitely excited to see Dieter and Benshaw and um, and Alec Ingold down in the only fullback on either roster uh, down in, in Mobile. So um, should be a good time. I'm excited for the uh, the better weather. Um, and like I said, that southern that southern food, man. I'm ready. <laughs> Waiting. Uh, on that note, we'll end it from here, guys. Make sure you guys check out uh, Bucky Smith Quarter at B5Q. Owen on Twitter at Reese Draft, R-I-E-S-E Draft. Uh, me at Coco B5Q. And Scott, I don't know if he uses it still, but Scott Wisniewsk too. And then also uh, check out Bucky Smith Quarter. Uh, like us uh, you know, like on Facebook and whatnot too. And we'll catch you guys next week. You guys be good and be safe on the roads uh, and safe travels. Have a good start to the new year. And uh, Wisconsin takes on Minnesota tomorrow night. At the Cole Center, I'll be down there. So make sure you guys check out Bucky's Quarter for all your Wisconsin Badgers news, notes, and analysis for not just football, but also basketball, women's hockey, volleyball, you name it. We try to we try to cover it. So y'all be well. You guys take care. We'll talk to you soon. And then next time at the Kilbasa Kings Sports Extravaganza. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.